Thank you for tuning in to listen to this sermon from the Ville Church. To find out more about us and our weekly scheduled services, please visit theville.church. Welcome. And uh, that's a little joke. I don't know. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, good morning. We survived our men's retreat last night with minimal, with minimal loss. Only two people we couldn't find. They're still on the island. And uh, we'll go back for them this afternoon or whatever, maybe. Um, but it was really cool last night. Uh, you know, we have a pretty diverse church. So we had some people who were like major, they like probably majored in camping and they were doing all this awesome Marine military stuff and other people who were like on their tiptoes around everything. So it was cool. It's like we were building relationships, forging bonds and building experiences together as men in this church, which I think is a great thing. And, um, yeah, so we really enjoyed it, and all in all, we, we conquered the island. So if you go over the Matthews Bridge and look down, that island, that's now the Ville Island. So put some respect on the island. Anyway, um, but with the last night, what we were trying to do as a, you know, men and building stuff, it actually goes out further because what was the point of the men's retreat? We were trying to actually build trust and build experiences and build things together um, so we could have collectively as a community um, just these shared moments and experiences. And for our whole church, the question today I actually want to ask is, what are we building? And I'm going to be honest with you guys. The passage that we're doing today, I read it Monday morning right when I woke up. I just was reading the Bible, and it like really stuck out to me, this uh, passage. And I was like, man, I'd like to preach on that because I like to look into it. And then when I started looking into it, it was it meant something completely different than what I thought it meant, which is a good thing. But then we're going into some deep waters today. It's not your normal American pop sermon where it's just, you know, rainbows and unicorns and butterflies and Jesus. But this is some real stuff we're actually going to be talking about today, which I'm excited about. But I'm also like feeling the weight. Like I, I want to be sure or as best I can in front of God to tell you what this means, what we're about to read today. So do you guys know that every action you take, every single thing you do, you are building something. We're building our lives towards something. Everything we do. And the work has been done by our ancestors, our parents, and mixed in with our dreams and our mistakes. And part of maturing as a human being is realizing and taking responsibility over our roles and building something beautiful, lasting, and worthy while we're here on earth. So the question is, what are we building? What are we all building? CEOs, they build companies. Workers, they develop skills. Parents grow families. Athletes perfect their bodies. And Christians, we build the church. So we have different roles and different hats, but as Christians, we build the church. Now, not everyone builds the church with the same materials, um, with the same skills and the same pace. Um, when I look at the American church right now, I think there's many preachers and pastors out there uh, who, to quote Jerry Vines, they are building crowds but are not willing to pay the price to build the church. All right, so they can build big crowds. They can invite a lot of people in, but they're not actually building the church. And this goes into what Jay was talking about last week. The price of building the church is dying to yourself and actually embracing suffering to find Jesus as your true comfort, as your true sustainer, and loving others out of that into new life in Jesus. And it's not easy, 
But when we die to ourselves, the thing is we don't stay dead. That's the thing. When we hear dying to ourselves, we're like, well, okay, I guess my life's just going to be miserable, and that's going to be my life. If that's what we're called to do, I guess I'll do it. But when you die to yourself, you actually come alive in Jesus. You come alive to who you were actually created to be, which is way better than being this, this false, fallen version of yourself. Um, and so as a new creation, we're moving and grooving and how we were created to exist under God. So the question remains, and I think this is a big question for our church because I hear it a lot. It is, when we die to ourselves, right, and we, we ask God to restore us back to sons and daughters of our heavenly father, what do we do then when we actually become Christians and to the point when we die and meet our maker, what do we do in the meantime? What is our life about? And I think all of us try and think through that question and what that means. Um, <clears throat> so with that being the, the foundation, which is a interesting way of putting it, considering what we're going to read. But with that as a foundation, let's read our passage today. Let's pray, and then we're going to talk about it. So if you have a Bible or if you have a phone, it's 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. So 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. And this is what it says. <clears throat> By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a master builder, and someone else is building on it. Let each one of you take heed how he is building upon it. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the qualities of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, and, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. All right, let's pray. God, this is a, this is a challenging word in a lot of ways, and I think it's going to be a challenging word for our church. Uh, but again, your whole Bible is your counsel to us and your story revealed to us. And we want to we wanna examine all the parts. And um, we don't want to shy away from anything. We, we want to know you for who you really are. And so we hope today you actually get to reveal to us something new and something amazing. And something even challenging uh, for our lives. And we just ask that the people in this room right now, that they... They actually can focus. We have a lot of tired guys, <clears throat> exhausted guys, uh, cranky guys, to be frank. And, uh, but at the same time, we know that your word is alive and active and your spirit is moving and that nothing can hold uh, back what you're pushing forth. So this morning we ask that you push your word forth over all of us and that we can all gain and benefit from hearing from it. In your name we pray, amen. All right. <clears throat> So we have this image of a building, right? Um, Paul uses imagery a lot to explain God because God's this infinite, eternal thing. How do you explain God? It's, it's literally impossible. So you use imagery to show different aspects to put something together to kind of show what God's like, what his kingdom's like, like eternal truths, right? 
So the question is, what is this superstructure that Paul is referring to right here? What is he talking about? What is being built? And the answer is the kingdom of God. And he's building his kingdom right now with the people of God. And he's talking specifically to this church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth, by the way, is basically the Las Vegas of antiquity. It's the craziest, most just insane place you could live uh, under Roman rule. And he's talking to them and he's, he's, he's applying it not only to them though, but to the universal church. So this is not only for the church in Corinth, but it's a universal church. It's for right now the church in Jacksonville, and it's actually right now for the, the Ville church. So when we read this, we can actually be reading it as if Paul's talking to us right now. Um, so when I first read this, I thought this was actually about an individual Christian, like about me or about you, but that's not what's going on. It's about the kingdom, and the kingdom is the building. God is the owner, and we are the workers. We are the ones building it. Okay, so we're going to break down these verses for us this morning. By the grace God has given me, this verse 10, I laid a foundation as a master builder. This is Paul talking. And someone else is building on it. Let each one take heed how he is building on it. By the grace God's given me, I laid the foundation as a master builder, as someone who's building on it. Paul is saying he is the master builder who laid the foundation. In the same way for our church, Matt Jensen laid the foundation for this church almost four years ago. And now the church is in the hands of Jay, and Jay's continuing to pour the foundation of Jesus Christ in our church, okay? Let each one of us take heed how he is building upon it. So like I said, Corinth is this crazy city, but it's super diverse. It has so many different types of people in it. So Paul's talking to this diverse group of people. There's, there's uh, some freeborn people, there's some freed men and women, who were slaves but now are free, and then there's some slaves, all in the same, who are reading this letter. And he's encouraging each of them together with their many different skills. Some have like highly trained skills, like masters and whatever, and some's unskilled labor. But all of them together to build and construct this superstructure. And this thing actually requires everybody's skills together. Is this bothering you? Is it like making it awkward for you to hear me a little bit? Okay, cool. I don't know how to fix it. I just want to know. Anyway, uh, it's good to know. Okay, so maybe not move. Um, So basically, when I read that and I know who Paul's talking to, I get pretty excited because our church has a huge variety of different types of people. If you look around the room right now, you can go ahead and look around the room. It's not awkward. We are a lot of different people in this room, and we have a huge variety of of skills, and it actually, to me, represents a lot of who Jacksonville is in many parts in this room right now, and it gets me really excited. Why? Because I really believe that we have the chance to create something uniquely beautiful that this city has actually never seen before. With the people in this room, with the workers in this room right now, I honestly don't think there's ever been a church in the city that represents what this church represents in the variety and diversity of people in the room. So with all of our skills combined, we can create something so amazingly unique and beautiful that it shows who God is that I don't think any other body in the city can create. Now, other bodies create beautiful things, right? 
And I'm not saying we're better than anybody else, but ours can be uniquely beautiful, something no one's seen in this specific city, maybe ever. And that gets me really excited. So each person that actually calls this place home, you have been given an assignment in this building project. And, and Paul confirms that at the end of this letter in 1558, he's talking to the whole church of Corinth, and he says, always excel in the work of the Lord. So when he's talking to us, he says, always excel in the work of the Lord. You have work in the Lord. There's things to do. You have a part to play when you are a Christian. <clears throat> when you are a Christian. So we all have a part in uh, building the kingdom of God. All right. So this warning at the end of 10, when it says, let each one take heed how he is building upon it, is actually the main point of this whole passage. So today, when I say, what are we building? It's really saying, pay attention to what you're actually constructing, okay? So back to the original question, what are we building? Let's go to verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So God owns the building, and Jesus laid the foundation of God's building, all right? What is crucial for us, I think, is that Jesus laid the foundation and not the preacher. The preacher doesn't, is not the foundation. <clears throat> he helps lay it, but Jesus is actually the foundation. So the one being preached is the foundation, not the one preaching it. And the reason that's important is because we align ourselves a lot with preachers and not the one being preached. And that's a big problem in the American church today. And this is why it's so devastating when, when preachers and pastors fall from grace, because we put them as they're our foundation. And when they crack and crumble, we crack and crumble because we're standing on them, all right? So <clears throat> that's why it hurts so bad when they hurt you or they lead you astray. It's really difficult. But once our foundation is actually Jesus Christ, no one can lay another foundation. That's solid. It never changes. Um, so once your foundation is complete, another one can build on top of it. So once it's solid, we're only building up. Um, a foundation by itself without anything around it is useless, right? So we're not just, so this is kind of coming to the point where people are like, oh, I'm a Christian now, so I can just chill. But a foundation by itself is worthless. It, it doesn't have, it, it's, it's laid in place for something to be built on top of it. So others come in and we're, we're building flooring and the walls and the roof. I don't know if, if anyone's done Habitat for Humanity, but you're constructing something. So once the foundation is in place, Christians will build something on top of it. The question is, what are you building on top of it? <clears throat> so again, the most important thing here is God and Jesus Christ is the foundation, but what we build on top of it actually matters. It actually matters what you do. All right, let's go to 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, or hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So the quality of this superstructure must be fitting for, for the foundation. If your foundation is sand, you can't put steel on it, right? And if your foundation's steel, why would you put twigs on it? If your foundation is set, then what you need to build on it needs to fit what actually the foundation is. 
And Paul lays out here six materials, and they can be broken into two separate groups of three. So on one side, you have gold, silver, costly stones, and on the other side, you have wood, hay, and straw. And so what is he trying to say here? So let's remember back in verse 10, let each one take heed, pay careful attention to how he is building upon the foundation of Christ. Why? Because one day, the day will come. What is the day? This is the day of the Lord. This is judgment day. This is when Jesus actually comes back and it will be upon us, okay? So it says in 2 Corinthians, in the second letter that Paul wrote, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us will receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That day is coming and we will appear before the judgment seat. And we're gonna get more into this, but our work will be shown for what it is and it will be revealed with fire. Can you go to the next slide? So this is kind of getting like the, you know, when you, you start reading this, you're like, oh gosh, this is kind of crazy. Uh, I don't know if I like this. And that's good. I think we should squirm a little bit because this is, this is actually gonna happen. Uh, thank you. Our work will be shown for what it is and it will be revealed with fire. Fire in scripture, okay, it actually used figuratively, it's used figuratively in two different ways. On one hand, it's a purifying agent, all right? And on the other hand, it's something that consumes everything. So fire either reveals something by purifying it, which enhances it and showcases how amazing and beautiful it actually is. So once it gets through the fire, you actually see how radiant and beautiful it is. Or it consumes it into nothing. Last night we had a big fire and we had nothing left. It consumed everything and we threw everything in it and the fire literally consumed everything. So this fire that's gonna happen on Judgment Day, the purpose of it is not to punish and it's not to destroy, but it's actually to disclose and show the quality of the work of Christians, okay? And I know some of us, again, this is making us like, uh, I don't like this kind of talk. This is like turn and burn kind of stuff. And, uh, but that's not actually what this is at all. So let me read two more verses, and I, I think it will comfort all of us who believe. So in 14 and 15, it says, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Only, even though only as uh, one escaping through fire. So here's the good news. If your foundation is Jesus Christ, if you turn back to God and you actually believe that through his divine intervention of actually coming into human history through Jesus Christ's life, death, resurrection, um, from this cross, you will actually be made with, right with God and your foundation will forever be set and you will be saved. There's no questions about it. Once your foundation's set, it's set. You will be saved. If your foundation is in Jesus Christ, you will be saved, period. Now, what about what we build on top of that foundation? The truth is, as Christians, we all know this, as you become a Christian, our, our efforts and time of what we're building on top of that is a mixed bag at best. Some things are good, some things are bad. And this guy prior said this, and I thought it was really good. Do y'all want me to switch mics? Would that be helpful for y'all? Okay. All right. So he says this. No doubt every Christian's work is mixed in quality. No doubt we shall have the awesome sadness of seeing much of our work burned up. 
and I thought this was an interesting phrase. He said the awesome sadness um, of seeing things that we spent time and effort while we're here on earth, the things that we toil to do being consumed by fire. Why? Because we will experience the loss of wasted time and wasted effort that we had here on earth. We will experience the loss of what could have been a reward, something great, and diminish praise, increase shame. And I know shame is a hard word for a lot of people in here, but shame is not always a bad thing, all right? We will experience increased shame as we stand before God's judge, or Christ's judgment seat and, ju- and realize how much of our lives were spent in activity that had no eternal value. No, it has no eternal value. And that's why John says this. He says, and now, dear, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. We will suffer the loss of all our missed time and opportunities while we had here on earth. But, and, and you know, we will see um, all of our efforts that were not glorifying God vanish in an instant because it has no value on the other side. It has no eternal value. But the good news is we will be pulled out of the building that we built that's now caught on fire. So that is, that's what he's saying at the, at the end of 15, only as one escaping through flames. This phrase is kind of comparable to being saved by the skin of your teeth. I don't know if you ever felt the skin of your teeth, but it's, it's very, very low. I think one time I actually felt it, and then I brushed my teeth for 10 minutes. But um, anyway, so we might smell like smoke a little bit, like some of the guys in here this morning, but we will be saved. Like, we will be saved. If your foundation is Christ, you can be confident that he will pull you out, and he will pull you through. Now, the question is, so remember the two groups? So these are the things that will burn up. The wood, the straw, the hay, they will be consumed. And the, and the important question is, what are those things? What are the things that we do that will be burned up right now as Christians? And to be fair, Paul actually doesn't clarify. And he kind of leaves a question mark there. But when, we, when taken out of the rest of the whole story of the Bible, we can actually, um, it's safe to say, here's a few things that I definitely think will be consumed. So God will consume and burn down the things that we do out of self-interest, the things that we do for self-gain or applause of the world. Not of God, but of the world. If it's something, self-interest for you here on earth now, then it's gonna be consumed. Um, of course, anything sinful that we do as Christians is gonna be consumed, it's gonna be burned away, which is a great thing. But what's interesting is, so those are obvious, and I think we can all know what those mean, but the inner motives of the heart actually will, will taint some of the things we think we're doing that are good, but they're actually for ourselves. And so I have a few here that when I was thinking about it this week, um, a few inner hidden motivations that I fully expect that God will burn down on the day that I do right now because they're not Christ-like, they're not God-like. Um, so the first thing I put is anything cocky, conceited, egotistical, any action that I do that promotes myself as being more powerful or more important than someone else. Because that's not true. It's not true. We're all created in God's image and we're all on the same level. But I constantly view myself and try and elevate myself in different actions as above someone else. Um, any, anything I do 
uh, out of my desire to be more successful than others or seen as more successful or a desire to be as good as or better than other people. And man, when I really check my motives, this worldly competitiveness that I have, I think these things are gonna just evaporate because they have no place in eternity. Um, or any status seeking, right? Which pretty much, Facebook's gonna get burned up like that because <laughs> that, that is all it is, is showing your status and worth to the world that's actually not true, it's a big lie. But to do anything to be known as something other than simply a redeemed sinner by God's grace. And we, we do that all the time, right? So <clears throat> that's some of the loss we will experience. And, you know, it, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt to look back and think, man, I wish I did something else there. But I also want everyone in here to cheer up if you're a child of God. Because not only will you be saved, which is the best news, but there will be rewards for our obedience in Christ. Now, this is a really tricky topic because a lot of us came from different churches or backgrounds where we only do things because we think we'll get rewarded for it right now. So I'm hoping right now I can say this in a way that still actually is true because there is some truth to it. I think it's twisted in a lot of churches, but there are rewards for obedience in Christ. So again, there's two outcomes for the work as Christians. Permanency, things will last and go through the fire, or things being thoroughly consumed. And granted, we will all have stuff that will be consumed in an instant, but the amazing thing is that even a little grain of gold is permanent. Anything that we do that is actually in obedience to Jesus is permanent. It, it will survive the fire. Um, do you know what happens to gold, silver, or precious stones when they go through fire? Like, whatever it is, when it actually goes through, on the other side, it's more pure, more radiant, and more beautiful. Like, when it goes through the fire, you actually see it for the amazing thing that it actually is. So even here on earth right now, when we're obedient to Christ, we see good things, but on the other side, we're actually gonna see it from God's viewpoint and we're gonna see how amazing and how awesome every little thing we did that was obedient to Christ is. And I love this quote. I was thinking about this quote all week. It says, one who wears golden armor would pass through a river of fire all the brighter, whereas shoddy materials simply burn up and become ashes. So when we think about going through this fire, the things that are obedient to Christ now that we do will be all the brighter and all the more glorious. Um, it, it'll be enhanced. It'll be magnified and it'll be eternalized forever. These will be lasting things. Right now, when you become a Christian, you're actually in the kingdom of God now. You're a child of God now. And the things we do now that are obedient and in that in for God actually last forever. Um, so the question is, what are believers' rewards? We talked about what the loss is, but what are the rewards? And again, Paul doesn't specify. He doesn't exactly say what these are. But there are a few hints that he lays out in this letter. A little later in 4, 5, Paul describes it as praises from God. And this, this might make us think of the, um, when the parable when the master uh, his words to the faithful servant 
If you remember, it says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that we actually get to have God speak that over us for the things that we were faithful for here on earth in the midst of the war, in the midst of the sin and brokenness, that we actually stepped in faith to do good things. Um, or you might think about, I don't know if y'all ever heard in, Re- in Revelations 14 and 13, uh, it talks about the good deeds of those who die in the Lord. Actually, those deeds follow them around. Like it's, it's almost like a, a badge of honor that these are the things that you did now. Um, so while the reward's not explicitly stated, it's fun to actually think about what it might be. It's fun to think that God actually lavishes and rewards us for being faithful here on earth now, in eternity. You might never see the reward of it here on earth. You might never see the fruit of it, but you know because the Bible definitely says on the other side of the fire, it will be celebrated, it will be rewarded, and there will be praises for what you have done while you're here on earth. Um, Watson says this, perhaps the reward will simply be the satisfaction of seeing one's work survive. The, pen- the penalty, the mortification of seeing it dissolve in flames. Um, personally, I think the reward will be one of knowing that we spent substantial time building relationships now that will last into eternity. That the relationships and the people we're loving now actually will last forever. That this is just the beginning. And it's a messy, broken beginning. But the things now that we're actually doing faithfully to God will last. And the relationships will last into eternity. Because I know for a fact, Paul's not interested. He's not interested in locking down his own personal victory here. And he's, he's not like trying to lock down his own private entrance to this pearly gates. Because that would be a hollow, shallow victory if he was the only one there. Right? His whole thing, his reward is that he wants to see the churches that he loves, the people, not the churches, but the people of God that gather, that he loves to be saved with him. And for us too, that our loved ones will be saved with us. That our loved ones will be saved with us. And we were building the relationship now into eternity. So what are these things that endure? What are, what are the gold? What are the silver? What are the precious stones? We know they're things that are valuable and that they're durable, that they last. And this is my best guess. These are things that I feel will last forever. Anything that's pleasing to God, anything that's pleasing to God, anything that contributes to the glory of Christ, anything that's uh, keeping with the words of actions of Jesus because he's literally God in human form and he lived a perfect life, um, anything where you're expressing your love of the Lord with all your mind, all your heart, and all your soul, anything where you're loving your neighbor as yourself, um, anything where you're entering into someone else's suffering, uh, everything that aligns itself with the kingdom priorities of God and everything that advances his purposes in the world. And that is a lot of different things, right? That could be a multitude, like infinite amount of things, which we're actually free to pursue in Christ in the spirit to try these things and do these things where we're led to do. But being faithful in that these are the things that last and there's no limit, no limit to the things that are pleasing to God and glorifying to God that we can do. But I, I wanna end with this and I wanna make sure we really, we really get this, that the promise 
of reward most of the time actually overshadows the equal or probably more important promise of God's ultimate justification of the life of those who believe in Jesus. So when we talk about the reward, it's not exactly about the reward. It does matter and it actually could provide some motivations knowing that in the future that those things last and they will be you know, praised by God. But it's, I think it's a one-two step. The very first thing that we need to be thankful for is that we're justified by God because God came to us here on earth and rescued the unrescuable. That he, he loved his enemies and died for his enemies to bring them back to himself when we could not do that. So grace, this idea that we are gifted this thing that we didn't do anything to deserve but that Jesus actually did it all for us, grace is what separates Christianity from all other religions. It's, it's deep in our human nature to say that grace is unfair. Because on a worldly sense, it is unfair and we should all get what we deserve. We should all get what we deserve. But no one in this room who's honest with their own sinfulness would, could ever really want that. You would never, ever really want what you really deserve, what I really deserve. And what makes God's grace-filled gospel good news, right, is that we don't actually get what we deserve. We get what we, we, get what we don't deserve, which is eternity with the king, with the father, and with each other and brothers and sisters in Christ that we are children of God and we don't deserve it. Our works are filthy rags. Like Jay says all the time, our works are filthy rags to God outside of Jesus Christ. But inside Jesus Christ, they're beautiful and they're worthy. So if you're not a Christian, our number one priority here at our church is to lay the foundation of Jesus Christ in your life. The first and most important question that you're gonna have to be asked on the day of judgment, when Jesus comes back, all of us are gonna be asked this question. Are you in Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the ruler of the universe? Do you abide in him? Have you, have you died to yourself and actually put your faith and trust in him as your sustainer? And if and when that answer is yes, the second question that's actually gonna happen is, well actually I'm not even gonna go there yet. If, if the answer is yes, you should know this. He is yours and you are his. And nothing will ever change that. The foundation's set. It's set. Even when you're a Christian and your service or what you do as a Christian is seriously flawed. And it's like, it's just utterly about yourself. It cannot endanger your salvation. If you blow it as a Christian and if you continue to blow it as a Christian, when the foundation's actually set, it's set. And God, he, he, will, he will walk with you in it, he will sustain you here on earth, and he lovingly will burn up the things that are not of him for eternity. So nothing, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. That is amazing news. We cannot blow it. When you are in Christ, you cannot blow it. No matter what you do, God's grace is sufficient for you. So gratitude, thankfulness, is the primary motivation for why we live, right? We don't need much added motivation to befriend the person who saved us from drowning. 
if we're in the middle of the ocean and there's no way we're gonna make it and someone comes up to us and saves us, what motivation do you have to actually be thankful and uh, gracious and uh, have gratitude for that person? None, because they just did everything for you when you were certainly gonna die. And in the same way, Christ's death on the cross gives us all the motivation we need to serve him. If once we keep getting that, that's why we pour in every week, what does it mean to be, like, to understand what Christ did on the cross? What is, what is the gospel? What happened on Calvary? We keep hitting that, and we're gonna keep hitting that, because if we really get that, we will have all the motivation to follow hard after him. So as we continue to serve him and build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, we've always gotta remember that uh, what we are building on and um, how amazing that gift is that we've been given a new foundation. We always have to remember that. So verses 10 through 15 actually remind us that true progress, that maturation as a Christian happens when believers obey Jesus in joyful response to the salvation Christ already provided rather than gaining the hopes of gaining something. Does that make sense? All right, that's, that's a hard thing. So everything we do here on earth matters. And you know, and I talk to people at our church a lot, and it seems like there's this general idea that, like, you know, when you're a Christian, you're a Christian. You know, you're saved, and that's it. And that's true. That is true. When you are a Christian, you are safe, and you are saved. But the problem is you don't understand that everything we do matters. And what you're building with, you're either building stuff that will be burnt and just gone, or you're building stuff that's going to last forever and that you will experience the loss of like, man, I had so much time and I had so much abilities and I had so much God-given talent and energy to do things here on earth and I just kind of live for myself and I live self-interest and you're gonna experience that loss. But on the opposite side, man, the things that we do as Christians that are in obedience to Christ, we actually you know, we will receive rewards for that, but I honestly think, too, we receive rewards now. We see fruit of it now. We, we know what it feels like to be loved. We know what it feels like when someone endures with us through our hardships. And so, <clears throat> again, the utmost important for all of us in here to answer is, are you in Christ? There's two questions. Are you in Christ? And all of us will actually be before Jesus, King Jesus, on the throne of the universe one day. And that's the only question that matters because you can't do enough to be holy enough to be for God. Like you, we are all our sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But in Christ, we're safe. And in Christ, we're accepted and redeemed as children of God. And, th- and the second question, when you abide in Christ is, what will last? What will last? The endurance of your work um, waits more than the test of time it awaits the test at the end of time. So when we see people do stuff, we're like, oh man, you know, like all these greats in human history have done stuff, they'll be forgotten. As time moves on, things are forgotten. But nothing is forgotten at the end of time when the test comes. Those things will endure forever. Okay, so Ville Church, what are we building? What are, you, what are we building together? Because it's not just individually, what you're building or what I'm building. Collectively, because we're a community of believers and we're supposed to do this together. What are we building here at this church? Let's pay attention to what we're putting our time and effort and resources into as Christians, because it matters. 
And let's not kid ourselves that our lives here on earth as Christians don't have eternal value or consequences. Everything we do matters. 